Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Always trust your intuition. It's the title of a story I'll be sharing on tonight's episode, but it's also sound advice. All of our senses try to work together, and our senses are far more than the usual taste, smell, touch, etc., When we listen to our bodies, and we listen to that voice in our head, we're following our intuition. Sometimes we're almost on autopilot as we follow the process. It can be taking action against something or someone, or simply taking action to avoid something or someone. Put more dramatically, but still rooted in truth, following our gut can literally save lives. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can listen to the stories of others and feel the truth behind the words. So, let's get started, shall we? In the mid-90s, in rural Ohio, children are free-range, smartphones are non-existent, and I'm a quiet, shy fourth grader. That summer, my mom became good friends with a couple who owned a large, beautiful flower farm. Most weekends, they would host friends and family for bonfires and s'mores. The adults would drink grown-up beverages, and the kids would explore and play. On the particular evening of this encounter... We had just settled in beside the fire when my mom stiffened beside me. She turned to me and said, I don't want you and your brother wandering off. Just play here where I can see you. Now, this was unusual and kind of a bummer to my kid self. But she was regularly so lenient that I begrudgingly went along with it. After our s'mores were eaten and before the sugar rush ensued... My mom gathered us to wash our hands. Once again, this seemed odd. I was completely capable of using the restroom on my own, as was my younger brother. As we were rounding the corner to the house, we passed a man that we'd not previously met. My mother grabs both of our hands tightly and speed walks us up to the back door, closing the screen door and locking the glass door behind her. In my memory, she was composed but she later told me that she felt breathless and panicked, like a wild-eyed animal. Not long after, we hit the road to get home for bed and church in the morning. I remember thinking that I wish we could stay and play longer, or even camp there overnight like we did sometimes. But oh well, my child mind did not connect anything odd about the whole situation. It would be many years later, when I was an adult, that my mother would tell me a story I'll never forget. She remembers all the same details, the bonfire, the s'mores, the sugared-up kiddos, and the sticky marshmallow hands. But she also clearly remembers the sudden feeling of inescapable dread in the pit of her stomach and the hackles rising on the back of her neck. Even in front of the bonfire, her blood ran icy cold. She told me that all she could think was, it's time to go, we need to get out of here. 
She said it was the most persistent feeling of urgency she's ever felt. She then told me that the next day at church, she asked her friend who the new man at their home was that night. He replied, That is my brother. He just got released from prison for child molestation and assault. He and I have never gotten along, but he has nowhere else to go. I asked him to go somewhere else for the evening, but he just showed back up at the house. No warning. I would never have allowed him near children. Her jaw almost dropped to the floor. She told me that before she'd even seen him on the way back to the house, she felt his presence. She kept looking into the darkness beside the house and feeling like she was being watched. She knew instinctively her children were in harm's way and she needed to get us somewhere else. She didn't question it or blow it off. She listened to her gut and I'm thankful she did. The feelings she experienced that night were so intense we never went back to their home again. Friends, please always listen to your instincts and be safe out there. I was hiking in the Olympic National Forest a few years ago, by myself and my two dogs. We were four days in, and around 20 miles at least, as a crow flies from even a known mountain road. I was camping around 7,000 feet that night, or right where the tree line started thinning out. So when we got to the campsite, a big open meadow at the top of a secondary mountain, it was about an hour from sunset. My big dog usually runs around within proximity of the camp as I put the tent up and make dinner, etc. But I noticed this time was a little different. He kept staring up at the steep tree-filled mountainside tail straight up and barking not the bark when he sees marmots no not the excited oh you motherfuckers are lucky because I'd rip you all apart if my master wasn't here high pitched barks but unsure concerned barks now the day before I'd found a note left under a rock at the last landmark saying that there was a problem bear in the area that was harassing a party of campers a few days ago. And I myself had seen big cat tracks the day before, so I was rightfully concerned that this may be more than just ground squirrels. I decided to go climb some of the boulders at the foot of the hill. I took my time, looking up at the hillside for movement, before I went to go hang my bear bag up there. There were only a few trees around to hang the bag, I didn't see or hear anything, but my dog kept quietly whining like there was something up there. So, while still concerned, I started hiking up this steep hill to hang my bag. It was so steep, I had to use the trees to balance and lean against so I didn't go tumbling down before making another five or six step push to the next tree that I could lean against. Anyway... I'm slowly making it up this hill, ridge, hopping from tree to tree to keep my balance. Then I get about a hundred feet up the hill, and I hear a whole lot of big movement about fifty feet in front of me. My dog immediately goes from a deep, low growl to a savage, slobber-flying-everywhere type of barking now. 
my heart starts pounding out of my chest, and I start to panic. A million thoughts go racing through my head in a matter of seconds. Because if this is a bear, my dog is going to try to save me, in which he will most likely die, and I'm still stuck here. If I have to get off that hillside fast, I'm almost 100% going to trip and fall off a 12- or 15-foot cliff onto the boulders below. Like hundreds of 5- to 20-feet boulders. So, I'm feeling pretty screwed right now. Then I hear my other little dog start barking and freaking out down at my campsite, which was just out of sight. I had zipped her in my tent so that she couldn't wander off while I was away. So yeah, I'm absolutely panicking at this point. A few seconds after, I kind of snap back to it, and I take another few seconds to start to put my survival priorities in order and call my dog back to me. Loki, by the way. He comes and he sits against my feet, as my back is against a tree, so I'm kind of pinned or stuck there for the moment. But my dog was seemingly trying to separate me from whatever was up there, so I let him lean against me while I tried to collect myself. This is when I realized I'd completely forgotten that I had my headlamp on. I reach up so fast to turn my lamp on, I basically punch myself in the face. I'm having some serious adrenaline dumps going on right now, so much so that my knees are starting to shake. I get my headlamp on and peer up the hillside. I figure I'll at least get a reflection off the eyes of whatever's up there. Peering, peering, nothing. But I had just heard something. We both did. And whatever it was didn't get away or sound like it had made it too far. I knew something was there. So I'm kind of just steadfast at this point. I need to know what's up there. Because I have to sleep here tonight. And you know, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, alone. Better to face it than wait like a sitting duck all night is my thought process. So yeah, I'm looking up this hill... And at one point, my dog lunges forward, unpinning me. He does a fake bluff charge up the hill, about 15 feet. And I mean, he's snarling and foaming at the mouth at this point. As he does this, I finally see movement. Something moving up and breaking the line of the horizon. My dog's bluff made whatever it was blow its cover. So I'm zeroed in. I call my dog back and silently watch. And what I make out makes my heart completely drop. There was a man crouched about 75 feet directly in front of me, wearing not camo clothes, but some raggedy shit with a hood that blended into the environment perfectly. Actually, almost like a makeshift ghillie suit, but with his face exposed. I couldn't see his eyes and his face was covered in dirt or something, but I knew we were staring right at each other at that moment. So I stare for what seems like minutes. No words. I felt like I was trying to subconsciously convey that I was going to stand my ground. I wanted him to know I saw him, but I guess I was just too shaken up to speak. As I'm staring... 
my little dog back at the campsite started to bark her head off again, like she was scared. And I also had to get off that hill before total dark, or I could be seriously hurt or risk dying trying to get back down. So, carefully, I start heading down the hill with my dog, who doesn't want to leave but listens. Periodically, I would stop and put my back against a tree, holding me up, and look in that direction again. Just to make it even more clear, I saw him. And eventually, I make it down to the boulders at the bottom. By the time I finally jumped down and hit the boulders, my little dog had stopped barking. I could only see the top of my tent from the bottom of the boulders. I thought that she was just barking to bark. Dachshunds do that. Or just barking back at my other dog. But when I got there, my little dog had somehow got out of the tent and was walking around the camp growling with her tail sticking straight out. Still trying to hold it together, I thought, okay, maybe she just got her nose between the zippers and worked her way out. But I was positive that I had zipped it so the zipper tab opening was at the very top of the tent door, out of reach. So in a mixture of being terrified, pissed off, and the feeling of needing to do something, I reached into my day bag and I pulled out my forty caliber. I fire a single shot into the air as the sun was setting. I climb into my tent without eating, and I lay my gun next to me until first light. As soon as the sun came up, I was packing my shit and leaving, heading back down the mountain. It sucks. It was all downhill back, but I still couldn't cover the ground to get back to my car in one day. It was dark by the time I made it to the last camp, about four miles from our vehicle. But thankfully, there were other people there. We sat around a fire that they'd made, and I felt pretty relieved and safe. They start to tell me how they're planning to head that way, where I was the night before, in the morning. So I tell them my story, in detail. Needless to say, we were both walking back to our cars in the morning. Screw all that. The thing that still creeps me out to this day is when I got home and I started reading reviews of the same hike I was on. Other people had had similar experiences like mine as well. Even a man found dead from a fall around the same boulder range two years ago. And a woman found murdered last year. What did my kids see? Any input is appreciated. This is my kid's story, but I'm inclined to believe him. I just don't know what to make of it either. We live in a rural area, dead-end road. We walk it daily, so we're very familiar with the scenery and the neighbor's habits. He likes to look at the stars, so he went out for his last walk around 9 p.m. Came in, out of breath. I thought maybe he'd heard coyotes and they spooked him. He said walking past a group of trees, he thought he saw movement, so he shined a flashlight that way. And he saw a gray face peeking at him from behind one of the trees. After Googling, he showed me a picture of a rake and said that it looked very similar, 
but smaller eyes that reflected green. He thought at first it was a deer, but he couldn't see the rest of the body as he walked, and it didn't move, just kept watching. He said he walked as calmly as he could and watched it from the corner of his eye for as long as he could, discreetly. And as soon as he got to our immediate neighbor's house, he ran. I wanted to call it a deer, but those trees have no tall brush around them, and three or four feet or so between each tree, so you could easily tell if a deer was standing there. And the group of trees are roughly ten yards from the road, so near enough to see clearly, given the heavy-duty flashlight he takes. We went out tonight to see if we could see it, but nothing. Not that I wanted to, but he insisted. He needed to stumble upon it again with a witness for validation. I'm more live and let live. You stay out there and I'll stay in here. But it's really bothering him. And things have been strange around here lately. So, any ideas? This is something that happened to me and my family in 2007 or so. I was 10 years old then. My parents' house is pretty big. It has two floors and is situated in a residential neighborhood just outside of a big city. It's an upper-class, very chill, and incredibly boring neighborhood, but pretty safe. Okay, back to the story. One night before going to bed, my dad went to check if the front door was locked. But he must have been very tired that night because instead of locking it, he unlocked it. At that time, my grandma was living with us, and her bedroom was the one on the ground floor. My sister and I, as well as my parents, had our bedrooms upstairs. As you walk through the front door, you step into the hallway, which leads to my grandma's bedroom on the left and also the kitchen next to it. If you make a right... You walk into the living room, where you can go up the stairs, onto the other floors. When entering the living room, you have to take a big step downward, like going down the stairs, but there's just one step. In the middle of the night, my grandma hears a loud bang. She gets out of her bedroom and looks around to see what happened. No one else heard this. At first, she couldn't see much because the only source of light was the moonlight shining through the windows. The light switch was all the way across the living room, right next to the staircase. So she had to walk through the living room to turn the lights on. For some reason, she didn't turn the lights on. She decided to walk up to the couch that was in the living room because she could see that there was someone lying on it. But she couldn't figure out who it was. The lights were off. She thought that my mom must have had an argument with dad and she came downstairs to sleep on the couch. It wasn't my mom. It was a stranger. The loud bang she heard was this person falling off that step that led into the living room. You wouldn't expect it to be there. You'd just think that it was flat ground. So they fell pretty bad. It just didn't cross her mind that it could be someone who broke into our home. Who breaks into someone's house and decides to sleep on the couch? It's so random. 
So my grandma goes up to this person, still thinking it was her daughter, touches them gently, and asks what's going on. Why is she sleeping there and not in her room? The intruder is a woman in her fifties. She mumbles some random words and Grandma realizes immediately that the woman trying to sleep on the couch wasn't my mom. She also reeked of alcohol. At that point, my grandma goes upstairs to my parents' bedroom and tells them that there's a stranger sleeping on the couch in the living room. My parents freak out and my dad proceeds to take his sword off the wall. My mom was hanging onto my dad from behind as he slowly walked downstairs with the sword in his hands. He tapped the woman with the sword while she was still laying there drunk out of her mind. He began shouting at her and asking her what she was doing in our house. She was barefoot, and it was winter at that time, so she walked in the snow without shoes. At this point, my dad realizes that it's just a homeless person seeking shelter, as it was very cold outside and she wasn't properly dressed for it. She was scared and was begging my dad not to hurt her. They eventually called the police and they took her with them. I don't know what happened to her after that, if she was arrested or not, but we never saw her again. My sister and I slept through this whole mess, which is a bit concerning, and our parents told us what happened the next morning. It was a bit unnerving, thinking that if my grandma wouldn't have heard that loud bang, who knows what this woman would have done while we were all sleeping. When I was about 8 to 10 years old, I lived in a fucking horrifying apartment complex. So I'll tell one of my supernatural, paranormal stories that really freaked me out. So I'd just gotten to bed, and I made sure my curtains were closed all the way because I was terrified of being able to look out my windows while laying down. I always had a hard time going to sleep. But that night was different. I fell asleep easily. I fell asleep easily, but I woke up in the middle of the night, I think. I remember I couldn't check the time because of how scared I was. When I woke, I kind of squirmed around and then finally opened my eyes. I noticed it was really dark. Soon enough, my eyes adjusted to the dark, and that's when I noticed something. By my closet was someone sitting down and staring at me. But it wasn't a stranger. I fucking knew this person. It was my mom, but at the same time, it wasn't my mom. Because for one, my mom wouldn't be in my room staring at me while I was sleeping and sitting on my bedroom floor. Also, it looked like my mom, but its eyes were off. My mom has the most vibrant, pretty blue eyes. It had eyes that were darker, not too dark, but you could tell the difference. And it was looking at me like someone would if they were spaced out. It also had the most emotionless expression that my mom would never wear on her face. It scared the crap out of me. I kind of shifted over and looked towards my window where it wasn't at, 
and so it couldn't see my face. I noticed my curtains were opened a bit, where I could see outside, which also scared me. So I closed my eyes, trying to go back to sleep. Surprisingly, I fell asleep in almost an instant. When I woke up, no one was there. I didn't tell anyone about it until weeks later, and I told my mom during laundry when I noticed a shirt. It was the shirt that the thing was wearing. My mom kind of freaked out, and she told me to tell her stuff sooner. This encounter happened late this afternoon. I'm still pretty shaken up about this, and I can't get it out of my mind, so bear with me. My day started as it normally does. Early morning work shift, come home, drive my partner to work, come home to nap. However, when I got home, my partner texted me saying to pick them back up because they just got news they were laid off for the winter due to a very slow season. I went back out, came back, and went for my nap while my partner was playing video games. I was in a pretty deep sleep with my favorite TV show playing in the background that I've seen a million times. About two hours or so later, I woke up to my creaky front door being opened, followed by a deep and unfamiliar... Hello? I listened intently, as I thought it could be my partner's friend who often stops by. I didn't hear anything further, so I shrugged it off to my TV and I tried to go back to sleep. Shortly after that, I hear my partner open their bedroom door. I hear them yell, Who the hell are you, and why are you in my house? I panic as I don't know who they're talking to, but I listen to the short interaction. An older man, very startled by my partner's presence, explains that he had watched a package be delivered, and after no one came to get the package right away, he decided to come inside. The package was still on my porch afterwards. My partner tells this stranger who had been walking towards my bedroom to leave and that they're calling the cops. The man lingers, stalling my partner and asks if he can use our bathroom. They say, no, get out. And the man slowly makes his way out and drives away. We called the police immediately after he left, giving them his and his vehicle's description. I called my neighbor to let them know and keep an eye out, and he informed me that when he came home two or three hours earlier, that vehicle was parked at the end of our street, and when he drove by, the man covered his face. I can't stop thinking that this man knows my schedule and has targeted me for something. But I'm so lucky that today, of all the days, I was not home alone. This just happened to me. I'm walking to my car, and a sheriff's car is honking and driving by me. I'm thinking the sheriff needs to enter the driveway of the hotel that I'm crossing so I move out of the way. He motions again, so I cross the driveway, 
and he follows me. Then he motions me over, all while his windows are up. I remove my earbud and I start walking closer. He rolls his window down and says, Get in. And I'm like, What? He says again, Get in the car. There's stuff in the front seat, so the only place to get is in the back. I ask him for his badge number, and he rolls up his window and speeds off, tires screeching. It literally took me a few seconds to realize what happened and called Hubster. I'm low-key shook. That is a predator, and he's using his uniform as power over women to possibly harm them. I'm upset at myself because other than seeing the things in his car and the fact that he was in uniform, I can't give you any details of how he looks other than his ethnicity. The rest of him is a blur. I already called the non-emergency number for the police department, but obviously they didn't answer. So I'll be going in person to make a report. I grew up on a small farm in south-central Pennsylvania. Our house was built in the mid to late 1800s and had several occupants before my parents moved in, one of which we believe stuck around after death. We called this entity Joe after a farmer that lived there that was killed in an accident not far from the house. Both my family and several friends had seen Joe around the property. Joe would appear in a window of the old barn before the barn was destroyed. He would also make his presence known around the house, moving things, whispering, and occasionally manifesting himself for people to see. He appeared for a group of people that we had visiting in the early 90s. This was faculty from a boarding school my mother taught at. Several of the teachers asked who the old man standing on our second floor balcony was. They all thought that he was a new teacher at the school, but when they asked my mom and went to show her the man, he was gone. My first time seeing Joe was also in the early 90s. I had heard him and seen things moving on their own since I was a kid, but never actually saw him before. This was when I was in high school. Maybe grade 9 or 10, I was homesick for the day, My parents were both at work and my brother was off at college. We lived at a crossroad in a two-story house on five acres of land. At the time, we had a small barn with a large pasture for several sheep and goats. The windows of my second-floor bedroom overlooked the barn and pasture to the north and the crossroad to the west. Anyway, at one point in the early afternoon, a noise caught my attention and I peeked out the window to see what it was. The animals had somehow opened one of the gates and escaped the pasture. I groaned and got dressed to get them back into the fenced area. I was sick and did not want to deal with this. Before leaving my room, I looked out the window again, and to my surprise, saw a man herding the animals back into the pasture and latching the gate. He was older maybe in his 60s or 70s, 
wearing glasses, black pants, and suspenders with a white button-down shirt. When he was done, he turned to look directly at my window, smiled, and waved, then started walking toward the road. I watched him walk off in disbelief. When I couldn't see him anymore from that window, I went to the other window to see where he was going. He had disappeared. There was no sign of him walking down the road, and there was no vehicle that he could have arrived in. There was also no time for him to have gotten into a vehicle and driven off. He was just gone. I haven't seen Joe since then, but my parents still live there today and report that he's still around, making his presence known with his whispering and playful moving of objects. Well, friends, that's all the stories we have for tonight's episode, but we've got brand new ones every Friday night. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, tap the notification bell, and tell all your friends. Don't miss next week's episode. It's our Christmas special. And in the spirit of the holidays, I'll be making it an extra long one. Big thanks to everyone for listening and also to everyone who shared their stories. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, amandadarkesthour at gmail.com. Stay spooky. Spooky.